Amen. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. So we've been making our way through the book, and it's really important for us to do that because as we come to certain passages, like last week, it's super important for us to have those in the context that they were written. As we come to our passage today, we, we tackle the fact that the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to write to this church, and he's going to do for all of the things that he has told them up to this point, he's going to give them these two filters through which all of their life would need to be thought, would need to be seen, would need to be practiced, that these two things, many of your Bibles will have a heading there that say final instructions. And the reason is because for all of the things Paul taught and said, we get to this point and Paul's going to say, taking all of that, you need these two things to live it out. And frankly, there are two things that you and I need to live it out. But I want to start with a couple of illustrations. I want, I want us to get a frame of mind, a reference point for what the Apostle Paul's going to tell them because we've got to think about who we are in the culture that we find ourselves in. Now, I might date myself a little bit, but it was not too long ago, I don't think. Last week, I talked about 10 Things I Hate About You, and today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite TV shows from a few, a few years ago, Nate. I'm not totally sure, but how many of you ever heard of a guy named Bear Grylls? You heard of this man? A few, a few fans, a few fans. I like it. Uh, but ha- have you ever been in the wild? I mean, like, you were roughing it. I I want an actual show of hands, those of you in the room. If you're online, you can put it in the chat if you'd like. Angela will talk to you about that. But how many of you have ever, like, gone out into the wild? Like, not just camping in Florida, all right? I mean, like, in the wild. I see one hand, two hands, a few of you, a few of you. Okay, so a few of you know what it's like to rough it, right? I have no idea... What it's like to rough it. And all of you who know me are laughing right now because you're like, that's right. I, I prefer glamping as my preferred method of camping. Yes, Jerome, I feel it, brother. But I don't even remember what the show was called. I suppose I could have Googled that, but it felt like a waste of time at the moment I was studying Colossians. So I do remember that Bear Girls would get dropped out of a helicopter into remote locations with only like a knife. And like a fire starter. And of course, like what you don't see is like the 800 cameras and crew and vans and Land Rovers and all the things that went with them. But you're under this perception that he's in the middle of nowhere roughing it. You know, and they got like the night cam and he's like freezing and he's wrapped up in like a a leaf or something. You know, and it's like he's roughing it, right? And so when I was... Reading through this particular part of Colossians 4, it reminded me of what we're told in Hebrews about who you and I are in this world. Because I think we're tempted to take the bait and swallow the hook, if you will, and just be a part of it. But I want to remind you, and this will be on the screen for you because I want you to see it, from Hebrews chapter 11. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're not a Christian, Hebrews chapter 11, we call it our hall of faith, like hall of fame, like 
There's just person after person who was not perfect, but who God used to do incredible things. And so we call it the Hall of Faith. And so there's just this list of people who God did incredible things through, right? And we think about 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven and say, God chooses to use the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And so we get into that. But at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 13 to 16, we're reminded as people of God why it takes such great faith in such a great God to live here on this earth. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, that all these died in faith. So all those people that were mentioned, not having received, listen to this, not having received the things promised. So the very things that they gave their lives for, they never actually saw the fruit of that. And yet they lived in faith anyway. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, okay, we, we, we say almost every week here that we live in this reality of already but not yet. That we see the kingdom of God but it's not fully here yet. And so we have a few values that we talk about where we see the good. We draw near to the broken. We participate in the future that God is building. And so... As we're doing that, look at what it says, that, that they're, they're seeing this and greeting it from afar. They're participating in it. But look at this. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. It's incredibly important that when you walk out of this place and into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that you do it. With this lens, that I'm not actually fully at home in this place. Because he keeps going. For people who speak thus and make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, if they had been thinking, this part blew me away, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, so God has called you out of this place for the Israelites in the Old Testament. God had called them out of slavery in Egypt. But how many of you know, all through their wilderness journey, what were they asking for? Can we just, can we just go back? At least we got to eat. Right? And so, so there is always this temptation to turn around and go back to that which you were called out of. Because that's what it means to be holy, that you are called out, set apart. Oftentimes we think that it means we're perfect, and it doesn't. Jesus was perfect because you couldn't be perfect. And so he's called you out, set you apart as this strange people. And it says that they would have had the opportunity to return. God is not going to make you step into your future with him. And we all know friends, family, maybe you're doing it right now where you've got one shoulder turned and you're, you're ready to return. There is that opportunity, but I love verse 16. It gives us hope. It says, but as it is, and this next part's, 
If you've got a real Bible, not a fake one on your phone, that's a joke. <laughs> if you're here for the first time, I don't care if you use a phone. I love this though. He says, but as it is, look at this next statement. They desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Just in case you're tempted to think this is the United States of America. It's not. They desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. What an amazing promise. God's prepared for his people a city. And he's actively bringing, right, as he taught us to pray, that kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's where we get that value to participate in the future, to serve our city. And so just like when Bear Grylls goes out into the wild and he comes prepared, maybe cheats a little bit, he could hunt his food and start a fire. And, and he, he would do it through those two filters and those through tool, tools, right? He felt like if I have these two things, I can go anywhere in the world and I'll survive. Right? It's a really good picture of you and I that when you step into your workplace or when you step into your family environment or when you step into and you fill in the blank, where, where is it that you don't feel at home in this world? And so, as you think about that, I was coming to Colossians chapter 4 and thinking about, like, what would be a good local example for you and I, just as an illustration, just help us keep thinking about this. I don't do a ton of illustrations like this, but I thought this morning it would be good because I saw this on Amazon and I was like, I have to try it. And then it fit the sermon. It was perfect. But literally this morning, I went down to the Hillsborough River I got some water. How many of you would drink out of the Hillsborough River? None of you. Awesome. That makes my illustration really good. Because depending on what party boat came along, or what animals were there, I don't know, Pat, what fish do in the water, but it seems kind of gross to me. Um, and for those of you that laughed earlier that don't rough it, I would never, I wouldn't even swim in this water right here. But I got me a straw from Chick-fil-A, a a blessed straw, a Christian chicken straw. And how many of you, like, this is probably contaminated, right? (laughs) How many of you would be like, yeah, but brother, you're going to use a Chick-fil-A straw. You're going to drink that water. You'd be like, I'm not drinking that water, right? Like, because there's just, we, we know, like, that's polluted, Right? Like you and I look at the Hillsborough River and like, I'm, I'm not, unless you treat that, I'm not going to drink that. I don't care how thirsty I am. It's gross. Now, there is a point at which you'd be too, so thirsty. Right? But then I was on Amazon. Come on, you people that rough it. How many of you know what this is? And there's this thing called a life straw. It blew my mind. You can... Some guy on YouTube put this in a toilet, and he drank the water. I watched the water level go down, and I'm like, I don't care what kind of straw you have. I'm going to go to the river and not the toilet, right? Because 
How many of you know, like, it doesn't, like, if, if it's contaminated, there has to be something that's going to filter that, right? And so if this is the world, there's a floaty in there. There's a couple floaties in there. So if anybody wants to come try, uh, I'm going to pass because I think you get my point. And I ain't here to entertain you, all right? I'm here to preach the word, all right? But for those of you who are distracted, you can watch the floaties while I preach. But listen, like, we understand that, right? Like, we would not go into a polluted water source and like, here, son, are you thirsty? Like, no, like, we, we wouldn't do that, right? Because we have common sense. Like, we, we wouldn't do that. And yet, how many of us are living in this world and we're just taking in pollution all the time and never, ever thinking about it? It never crosses our mind that this is what I'm drinking. Floaties and all. There's actually a lot of floaties in there. It's kind of grossing me out. But right, but... We would never drink polluted water, but how, how much, right? David said, I will set no wicked thing before my eye. Because what happened when he did? He ruined his whole life. He lost a child. Like, and so we have to be cognizant that this is where we're living. Now, the one thing that's really important is water's not the enemy, it's the pollution in the water that's the enemy, right? So, so the world that you live in is not your enemy, right? Scripture's very clear that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So don't look at the people in the world and say, you're the problem. No, no, no. Satan's the problem. And the, the powers and the darkness of this world is the problem. We don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against that. And so, so what is... The two filters, what is our life straw, if you will, in this world? Because we are obviously put here by God for a reason. You have purpose when you step into all of those places that you find yourself. I love this right here in Colossians chapter 4. And so it comes right on the heels of everything we've studied. And Paul's going to say a few really important things here. So in Colossians chapter 4... Verses 2 through 6, we get these two filters. So read it with me. It says, continue steadfastly in what? What's the word? Prayer. Prayer. Circle that in your Bible or write it down in your notes because it's the first filter. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am actually in prison. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5, filter number 2, walk in what? Wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. People who aren't part of the church. Why is it so important to walk in wisdom toward outsiders? Look at this next statement. Making the best 
use of time. What a powerful phrase that as I encounter people who don't have what I have, Jesus, that I would make the best use of my time with them. Listen, one of the reasons we don't do a ton of activity in-house is because we recognize that for you to walk in wisdom towards outsiders means your Monday through Friday really counts. It really matters. Like you're serving your city if every time you go to work, every time you're in your business place, every time you're with your neighbors, every time you're walking in the park, every moment you're walking in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. The best use of time is all of us going into wherever God has on purposely placed us and making the best use of time when we're with them. Make the best use of time. How do I do that? Look at verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious. Always. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I've given you the two filters. Look at, look at how they're broken down here. Because it makes a whole lot of sense for you and I in our life. Right? Redeemer City Church, we say that we exist to share and spread the liberating power of the gospel. Like we think that that is the best use of our time with those who are outside of the faith. Like we recognize that there's a slavery to this world that people need to be set free from, right? It comes straight from Luke chapter 4 where Jesus said, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. I've come to set the captive free to proclaim the year of God's favor. Man, we need, we, we need that in our world right now, right? The year of God's favor. So look at this. Prayer. Look at, look at this list of things that it says about prayer. Prayer should be continually steadfast. The word in Greek there is really important because it means courageously persistent. You don't need to hold your hand up, but how many times have we shrank back in a moment with somebody who's not of our faith because we just, we just felt a little bit of fear or ashamed or any of that, right? Why could Paul say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Because we have to spend more time cultivating, right? You know what the definition of being in the wild is? The definition of wild is uncultivated. Right? It's wild. Right? Oftentimes when we step into the world, we feel like we're in the wild. We, we, we haven't cultivated our prayer life. Right? Because it says continually steadfast, courageously persistent, watchful. I love that. We're alert when we pray. We're not just meandering about in our prayer life. If you'll just look around, right? What did, the, what did Jesus tell his disciples? Look up. Look up. Look around. The fields are ripe for harvest, but the laborers are few. Watchful, alert, specific. There's undertones here that would say, as Paul's sitting in prison, that, that he was encouraging these people to not be surprised by suffering. Don't be surprised if, 
if you're praying and sharing and leading and doing all these things, if some people don't like it. I struggle with that, but, but it's, it's the truth. It's real. And so all of that being thankful. When I was growing up, my grandmother used to walk around and be like, attitude of gratitude. You've got to have an attitude of gratitude. And I'm like, grandma. Right? Like, just give me, some, give me ten bucks. Right? <laughs> then I'll be gratitude. But it's really important to the Apostle Paul as he sits in prison and writes to his friends who are in the midst of persecution and a city that doesn't see things the way that they see things in Christ. And he's saying, pray all the time, watchful, and all of it towards this open door of communicating good news. All of it pointed at this idea that everybody around us needs Jesus. I love that. Open and clear communication. Paul says, pray, pray that, I, that I wouldn't get in the way of what God's trying to say. Super important. So prayer. Prayer is always our first reaction. Always. It is not a last resort. It's not anything. It's, it's an con- ongoing conversation with God. So we pray. The first filter for everything in your life is pray. We work that muscle so that we react in prayer. We react in prayer. Something happens, we pray. Something good happens, we pray, we thank, right? Watchful, thankful, always praying. Every situation, it's our knee-jerk reaction. And then this next part about wisdom is really helpful for you and I. Because it's so easy for us to do life. And not, not even to do, not even to purposely not follow Jesus, but just to get caught up in life. There's a lot of life that happens and surprises and all these things. And so Paul says, here's what wisdom looks like as a stranger in this world. First of all, have wisdom toward those who are outside of the faith. There's a... There's a... Um, Maybe a leaning sometimes for people in church to look at the world and see problems. Instead of looking at the world the way Jesus would with compassion and seeing people without a shepherd, right? There's a difference when we look at people. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Write this down. Wisdom is skillful living. It's one thing to know a lot of things. It's one thing to know a lot of Bible. It's one thing to have knowledge. But for you and I to be able to use that knowledge, to have wisdom, to live skillfully, where does it come from? Prayer. Cultivating your relationship with God. So wisdom towards outsiders. I love that statement, making the best use of time. I've already hit on that, so I won't spend a ton of time there. But listen, the best use of time, God's wisdom is inseparably connected to prayer. So as you're moving around and exercising those muscles of prayer where we're watchful, thankful, watchful, thankful, alert, thankful, that when those moments come, talk to Him. Talk to Him. Don't just 
don't just step into a moment with somebody who's outside the faith without inviting Jesus in. We said that last week in biblical relationships, husband, wife, parents, kids, employer, employee, like all of those things are, are bathed in prayer. We invite God into the circumstance before we start to address it. And so the same thing here, making the best use of time, and then I love this, making the best use of time with our speech to people outside the faith is gracious, purifying, filter, and thoughtful. That's what Paul says. Every time I interact, it's gracious, purifying, thoughtful. I love that. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer, answer each person. I love that. Prayer and wisdom are the two filters by which we move in and out of this world. All the while knowing, having acknowledged that we are strangers and exiles on earth. That's how we live. That's what church in the wild is. It's you and I in the wild making the best use of time. Bringing good news, participating in Jesus bringing his kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. Here's the question though. What if I lack wisdom? Right? Because if you're anything like me, like you get out into those situations and what sounded really good on Sunday, you str- maybe struggle to have a vision for what that looks like at work or what that looks like in, at dinner on Friday night with your waitress or whatever whatever the case may be wherever you find yourself maybe it's a family member and they they just they don't believe what you believe and it's very difficult to have those conversations what is the way that you get wisdom i love james chapter 1 verse 5 here's what it says if any of you lack wisdom can i just can you just take a second and ask yourself do I lack wisdom in any area? Because this is, this is all well and good if you hear a good sermon or a bad sermon, whatever it ends up being. But if you won't stop and look in your heart, in your mind, and ask yourself, do I lack wisdom in any area? Am I not making the best use of time that God has given me in the spheres of influence that he has placed me. He did not make a mistake putting you where you are. One of the things we have in the vision of our church is that the rich and the poor, the black and the white and the brown would sit in the same room. This takes wisdom. This takes wisdom because that, that's not happening in our culture. We go to our separate places and our separate ways and what we want to say is, no, no, there is this space carved out in time and space where under the banner that reads, it is finished because of Jesus that we can all come into the same place because we have a great God. And so if any of you lacks wisdom, James says, remember, he's Jesus' brother, He had to grow up with a perfect brother. Imagine how much that was terrible. 
But listen to this. says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Pray. Pray. Let him ask God. And then listen to this. Listen to this. Who gives generously, without reproach, to all it will be given. Think about that. If you're lacking wisdom in any area of your life right now and you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, the Bible says that if you lack wisdom, if you will ask God, He gives not just a little bit, He gives generously to anyone who would ask Him. And so I don't, I don't want to just talk about it. I want, you, I want you in this next moment, we're going to take communion together. We have the band come up. You guys come up. They'll take it with me up here. But as we take it together, I want you to think about what 1 Corinthians 10 says. That is this body and is this blood, is this element not the participation in the body and blood of Jesus?